You're listening to The Essentials. The Essentials is a developmental podcast of the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. We develop kingdom workers for increasing gospel impact. With The Essentials, we invite you to be part of a conversation that asks the core question, what is essential in church ministry? Here's your host, David Dixon, with Nate Howard and Alan Rathbun. Welcome back to The Essentials Podcast, everyone, for what is now our fifth episode. I'm David, and I'm back here with Nate and Alan. Uh, We've been so grateful for how this podcast has been leading to some healthy conversation about what is essential in church ministry. Yes, we are. In our first few episodes, we laid out a framework of what we mean by essential and discussed our view that wholehearted transformation that comes from response to the gospel is the essential end of church ministry. If you have not yet, please go back and listen to those episodes as they really give context for the conversation that we're going to have today. Because after talking about the essential end, we shifted towards uh, discussing what the essential means are to that end. And we spent our last episode discussing how we believe that the essential means towards whole heart transformation is a gospel saturated community that is filled with people who are fluent in the gospel, particularly in trial, that are boldly taking faith filled risks on mission with Jesus, which is what we're going to focus today and has leadership that embraces the challenges of change. So as I said, today we're going to pick up on that second one, a gospel-saturated community that boldly takes faith-filled risks on mission with Jesus. So let's start with this. When we talk about risk and mission, what are we talking about here, and how is this a means to the end of whole heart transformation? I I think that one of the, the reasons that mission is a means towards the end of transformation is because... Um, God tends to use something that stretches us mm-hmm. to change us. And in the absence of something that stretches us, often we're not that changed. In other words, the more we're comfortable, the less we're probably going to be transformed. And I think this relates to the first means, which is the the, the sense of community that is gospel fluent in the middle of trial. There's that, that sense of trial brings us some level of challenge. Well, mission does the same thing. In fact, you could see it this way, that trial is the way that God sovereignly or providentially leads us into something that's going to stretch us. So the initiative is on, on, on God's part. Mission is our volunteering for that. Mission hmm. puts us in like the that. place where we're willingly to be at risk in some way because we so believe that God transforms us through that kind of experience. And I'm sure all of us have experienced that as well, that um, when we step out in faith to do something that we sense God's calling us to do, we become changed people. Absolutely. And I, I that risk is so important, right? And we can see that illustrated countless times in the Old Testament, right? Whether it's Moses taking the risk to the people of Israel mm-hmm. or David going against Goliath or Joshua leading the people. Those are all times when God called his people to a mission that required risk. Right. Jesus sent out the 12. He sent out the 70 and yep. they were transformed people. Like we've never experienced anything like yeah, this. I love that. That becomes the, the cultivated soil yes. for God to, to, to do something new. Yes. Well, I think it's important in that too, to recognize that risk doesn't mean we're just putting ourselves at risk for the sake of risk. It's right. Opt, it's associated with obedience that we're stepping into discomfort towards obedience in Christ 
All right. And out of that, uh, we're up taking part of the mission of, of Jesus. And the other thing is that this really is the second aspect of community. So it's community that has, is gospel fluent in the middle of trial, but it's also community on mission. So this isn't just something that we're doing on our own. Mm-hmm. This is something mm-hmm. that we're doing with others for the sake of some level of transformation. Maybe we should define what we're talking about when we're talking about mission. Yeah, that is. It's one of those churchy words. All right. It's been around. We've got mission statements. We've got on mission. We're part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, We talk about missions. So, yeah, lots of churchy words there. So let's define it. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. For me, when I think of mission, I think it's about the people of God declaring and demonstrating the good news in the kingdom of Jesus. And I I, kind of base that in 1 Peter chapter 2, where it talks about we're called to proclaim the excellencies and then also to do the kind of good deeds that the unbelievers will glorify God because they see Mm. us demonstrating the kingdom. Mm. How about you? When I when I think of the the mission that we're on, the declaring and the demonstration are good. But sometimes I wonder if we get too far into the um, the demonstration part that we think it, it swings towards like events, a mindset where we do these big things for mission, but a community on mission really it's more into the everyday stuff of life where we're going into our workplaces where it's not that we're making a presentation of the truths of Jesus, but we're having conversations about how the truths of who Jesus is, what he's done intersect with the everyday things of life. And so as people engage in that together, they're living on mission within the context of their community. Yeah, I would say that that's a description of a pretty mature view of living on mission when we can see that we're commissioned by God in the place that he has that he has sent us or placed us in our everyday life. I think often people need to be trained in that. Um, when when I think of mission, I I always think of it associated with the kingdom of God. So Uh, The starting point for me for mission is by looking around at the world around us and we say, what's wrong with this place? Like, what's wrong with my setting that I would say, Jesus just, it breaks his heart. That's not really what he would want. So Mm -hmm. mission starts with uh, the need around me. Which actually is gospel fluency, right? How does Jesus think, feel, or say about this? What does he feel about it? What's big to Jesus in this situation? And then I step into that situation. I join in kingdom activity in that place. And I believe that as we as we engage in kingdom activity in, in whatever means that we believe that that is, it will always result in kingdom conversations or in kingdom, proclam- in kingdom proclamation. And I think the end always has to be then repentance and faith. Yeah. So it's kingdom demonstration that leads to kingdom proclamation that, that will result in some level of transformation. That's what I think mission is all about. I love that picture of training through those kinds of things so that those that are maybe learning how to engage the mission of God are then able to do so in a mature way within the context. So maybe when they're not with other believers, they have the maturity of their faith to begin to engage people on the mission of Jesus. And it says it's kind of like parenting, like um, as parents, our goal isn't that our children would only do the healthy things that we lead them into, that they would eat in healthy ways because we tell them to, but eventually they grow up and they do it on their own. Well, I think in seeing our churches as developmental centers, there's got to be things that we lead them into 
on mission. In, in our church, we called it a taste of mission, where there would be an awakening experience by being involved in some sense of mission. But that's not the end. And, and you can't just say, well, we're successful because we have a lot of events. But it's a training opportunity where hopefully, eventually, by the Spirit of God, people will say, you know what? I can live this every day. I mean, mm. God has me in that office on purpose. God, there are kingdom things around me all the time that I can engage in, and, and I don't have to wait for a church event for that to happen. Yeah, I I, I think about times that our church has tried to uh, engage in serving in the community, and particularly sometimes in the inner city. Um, where we've tried to go do things for another church to help them. Um, and in reality, we weren't really doing ministry with them so that they were engaging their community, which was not a helpful thing there. Even though it was a wonderful experience and we were doing something nice, it also didn't translate into our people now saying, wow, I I want to live on mission with Jesus in the rest of my life too, not just mm-hmm. at this event. So... I think we need to see events as not just beneficial in and of themselves, but how they train people to live on mission in the rest of their lives. So you're talking about the difference between a means and an end. Yes, and an effective we are. means or an ineffective means. It, yes. it's an, it, is, it is an ineffective means if it doesn't lead to the essential end. And yeah. if transformation is the essential end, it's not enough just to have an event. Mm-hmm. So you have trunk or treat, like... Well, is that really engaging an essential kingdom purpose or is that just busyness among our people? I'm not down on trunk or treat, but I I would say don't think that you're successful just because you've had an event that a lot of people have showed up to. Yeah. Right. That's where we can get to the end and say, well, at the end of the year, we had four mission events or outreach events. But out of those, how many lives were transformed? whether those were people within our church that learned to engage the mission of Jesus more, more clearly, uh, or people outside who, whose hearts were transformed as they moved to trust Jesus uh, for the first time. So yeah. as a part of that, if we're, if we're just looking at we had this many events, that's really elevating it from a means to an end as opposed to really looking at were people's hearts transformed through our mission together. Really, it all comes down to, we ask ourselves the question a lot, why are we doing this? What's the purpose? What is this supposed to lead towards? And if if we're not even asking those questions, if we say, well, we just did it last year, so we're gonna do it again this year, probably it's not gonna lead to something that's essential. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, again, mission is one of those things that as we're even fleshing it out now, uh, it's been discussed in the church a lot. And I would say for the most part, people would agree that as the big C church, we're probably needing to engage the mission more. So what do you think's led to the current state of the mission within the community of the church? Uh, what's the reality that we're seeing right now? So I think one of the, the biggest ones that stands out to me, and it, it fits into this whole idea of essential, is that I, I don't believe that people see or believe that being on mission is an essential means of discipleship. Hmm. I, I don't know if, if, if in the the common thought of the people that are churched, I don't know if mission would be on the essential list or on the optional list. Interesting. So, <laughs> so just to question that back to you, what you're saying is, or are you saying that in order to be a fully formed disciple, mission has to be a part of that? 
I would not only say that it has to be that, but it has to be mission that involves a level of risk. It, it has to be mm. something that stretches me out of what I'm comfortable with, where I have to be dependent on, I have to be dependent on Jesus. His power is perfected through my weakness. Yeah. So now I'm not saying that, that someone says, but I love to preach or I love to do children's ministry. Like, are you saying that that's not an effective mission? I'm saying, well, it it could be an effective mission, but if you, if you start to set boundaries on what you're going to do for Jesus related to what you're comfortable with, you're probably not going to be a transformed person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. And I, I, this is the other challenge of that too. And I think hinders that from people keeps people being motivated for that is they're really not looking at people through a gospel lens. There's a lot of things that we're, what maybe people aren't thinking, uh, you know, they don't have this feeling that people are going to be separated from God eternally if they don't ever get to know Mm -hmm. him in this life and not taking that seriously. Uh, Or on a, on a, from a different perspective, people don't really believe that the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. They believe that the opposite a lot of times in our churches that the harvest is limited and we already have plenty of workers. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, you know, we've spent this last year plus in COVID season. There's been a lot of uh, political politicization, I'm even saying that word correctly, uh, a lot of division over these last years. And we're kind of in this cultural spot where nobody wants to say the wrong thing. Otherwise, like, you know, I might be ostracized. I might have everyone jump on me. And I think what that's done in our mission is, has made us kind of say, you know what, maybe, uh, maybe I won't say something here or even deeper, perhaps Jesus isn't powerful enough to mm-hmm. work in a culture like this one. I have to be honest that there's sometimes I'm, I'm not exactly sure if I believe that the gospel is good news. I have to be honest. Yeah. So I have uh, the the house that's next to me is empty. Someone's going to be moving in. My wife tells me the other day, Nate, you won't believe who showed up to, to go through the house. All of these like men, like a, a bunch of men that looked really rough, like really like, like really obnoxious partiers, you know, Mm. she said, what's that going to be like if they live next door to us? And my first thought was not, even though we pray for who's going to fill that spot, Mm -hmm. my first thought was not, they need the gospel. The gospel is good news for Mm. those men. I, I have to confess, I don't look at the culture around me that all of us feel like our culture is, you know, extremely broken in many ways. And we say, they need the gospel. Mm, you know, yeah. the gospel is good news. So I, I I think the lack of gospel passion can often lead us to a lack of mission. And that's where the community plays a role in that right. as well. Because if you're out on your own, yeah, that reminder may or may not come. Right. Yeah. So that's it's really the community together to say, you know, that points people to say, well, how does Jesus feel about those people that are checking out the house? Yeah. Or, you know, what does God's word say? What does God say in his word about reaching our name? You know, again, not to be preaching to one another, but it's the reminder of right. are we looking at things through the lens of Jesus? Yeah. And I think, you know, those things are challenging as well. You know, you talk about empty houses. We have two in our neighborhood right now. And I pray for those empty houses as well. And when I pray for them, I pray two things. I say, Lord, either send us people that are believers that will help us demonstrate your kingdom to the rest of the neighbors that don't know you. Or send us people that because they're around the neighbors that do believe in Jesus that are here will come to know you. So either way, we get to be part of declaring it or demonstrating it 
so that people are becoming part of the family of God. And the only way we can maintain a motivation to do that is to be able to shout with Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel because Mm -hmm. it's the power of God for salvation. Right, Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. I think another thing that is part of our current reality is I think a lot of us, maybe even within the Christian Missionary Alliance, a lot of us think that mission is overseas. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm a missionary at heart. I have great passion for global for global uh, kingdom advancement, yeah. church planning. But often if we think mission is over there and not here, uh, we'll say, well, then my contribution is I go to a missions conference or I hear a missionary or I pray every now and then or a church on Sunday morning, we do a missions update or I give, you know, and then that's my mission con- contribution. But I don't think every day I'm called to live on mission. Yeah. And, and, you know, and especially in a denomination that's so heavily focused on the global work of Jesus. I mean, we're very privileged to be a part of the Alliance where, uh, over two thirds of our workers are reaching unreached, uh, or groups with very little or no gospel access. That's a wonderful privilege, but we can't let that be the sole focus of our mission or be what represents the total mission. It's the extension of the mission and the values of Jesus within our community. So those are some of the, I guess the challenges or some of the current reality that we're seeing. This didn't just happen overnight. (laughs) Uh, What are some of the things that led us here to, to, to see mission uh, in those ways? Well, I mean, for me, this is a statement I say over and over again. Um, we've had this tendency to focus more on seating than sending, that we have valued how many people we can see inside our church than more than how many workers we can send into the harvest. That's a big shift. Uh, but if we believe that the that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son and then realize that Jesus so loved the world that he sent us, that's going to change about how we perceive seating and sending. Yeah, I think that anybody that's been around church for a while would probably say that our view of church is that ministry happens within the walls of a building. And so, you know, we can tend to think we've got programs here in this church. I mean, the gospel is proclaimed every Sunday morning. If those people out there really do want to find Jesus, I mean, they know we're here. It's, you know, our service schedule is on our sign. Like they would know that they can come. And if Jesus really was wanting to reach people in our community, certainly he would impress on their heart that they need to come to our church. They're just not coming. So I guess we really can't do mission. Yeah. Well, no, it's great because that really, it's a, there is an aspect of desperation in that. Yeah. Like I remember when we started Iron Mill, uh, we got to the very first, uh, service like our launch service and my heart's beating as the clock ticks towards you know 10 o'clock because are is anyone going to show up all these people that we've been talking to for months already are they going to show up but you know what happens is is over time as you get comfortable you don't worry about that as much Mm, yeah because you know you just kind of settle in and really you stick with what's you begin to again shift a little bit towards what's comfortable rather than having that heart for who's out there and the shift is a shift of what's essential 
Yep. What's yep. essential now is that we are we have a sustain a sustainable Sunday morning program that brings enough people that brings enough money that we can feel like hey we've got something going here and that's the kind of shift that in this conversation we want people to talk about like what really is the essential end of what we're doing is gathering people on Sunday morning enough yeah and especially as our cultures has changed over even the thought of it has changed. We don't have time to get into like some of those cultural aspects, but it's no longer a, if you build it, they will come type culture. But we still think that, but we still think that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think think one of the things, you know, the studies show that actually a church plant can slip into preservation mode thinking within two years. Wow. Uh, because they, they, they started up, they got a lot of new people. Even people came to Jesus in those first two years and it's like, okay, now we're okay. We made it. You know, and that's why we are encouraging to say, no, if we embrace sending, then planting a church is not so that you can plant a church, but it's so that it's in the line of planting. So we plant churches that plant churches so that as soon as this church is planted, it's already thinking about how are they sending farther into the harvest. And that keeps their eyes on not getting content with just keeping ourselves safe and having what we enjoy but, you know, if you're setting aside that in terms of training workers or even setting aside giving right from the very beginning, uh, we're encouraging our church plants to set aside 10 percent for future church planning from day one. Yeah. Uh, you did that at Iron Mill, David. Yep. I think that one of the things that led us here is that uh, we've gotten confused thinking that our programming is our mission. So that if we do certain things as a church program, usually that are led by us as a church, then just doing those events or offering those programs means that we're on mission. So I used the trunk or treat thing earlier. Like, so we do trunk or treat and we, well, that's it. We're on mission or we have a... Uh, a picnic in the in the park and we invite people to come and have hot dogs we've done mission or we have a wana well we we've done mission so we substitute our programming as our mission without pausing to ask what's the essential end of this and is this truly a means towards that end will it lead to the transformation of people in our community i think that's the question that we we lack like we're not asking that question enough. yeah and i think a lot of times to be honest we expect the church leadership to do these events as a way of loving our neighbors for us but my church can't love my neighbor wow there the church's job is to equip me to love my neighbor to equip me to be on mission in declaring and demonstrating the gospel uh, in my community, not to do that for me, but to help me do it on a daily basis. Yeah, we could have four outreach events in the course of a year, and maybe they could be profitable in, in declaring the and gospel. training for them. Right, and training for them. And there could be some real value in that. But I live next to my neighbor 365 days a year. That's where the gospel gets skin on it. And, and I am demonstrating that and declaring that on a daily basis I engage them because my church has equipped me to be on mission with Jesus. Yeah, I wonder how much of that thought, though, has actually pervaded our church where we need the leadership permission to be on mission. Yeah. Like I remember mm. uh, when we were in Danville, had a woman uh, come up to me and say that she wanted to start a Bible study with uh, some of the people that she worked with in her office. And she came and asked me for permission, like, like, like she needed my permission to do so. No, that's your workplace. That's where you're supposed to be sharing, uh, declaring and demonstrating the gospel. Go do it. Like, this is great. I support you. Yeah. But it, it can't all be 
pastor or leader uh, led, it has to be the community of people on mission together. I do think Dave Ferguson in his uh, book, Hero Maker, has actually done a really good job in helping leaders know that part of their job is to give permission to people, not because they need it, like they don't need, your your church member did not need permission no. from you by any means, but because they think they do, like we need to say, no, you have the Holy Spirit, you love Jesus, go for it. I, I, I say, I bless you. It's permission giving somehow that, you know, even though they don't need it, it just lets people know that we're behind you in this. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to encourage you to be on mission. I think one of the things that's led us here, and we've already mentioned it, but but I want to, I want to, uh, like enforce it or I want to like <laughs> lean into it is we are a we're a comfort based culture oh my, yes. so we tend to do things that we feel comfortable with so I don't know if um, if we've come to a place of believing that part of the rhythm of my life is I need to be stretched into something mm. that feels a little bit uncomfortable you know in the alliance one of our values is is that uh, uh, what is it? Faith, faith, faith-filled, faith-filled risk. Faith-filled risk. Yes, yes, yeah. right. Takes faith-filled risk. Yeah, we got to take a faith-filled risk. I remember when, uh, again, this would be a training event. This isn't like the end all for mission, but when our church moved into places in the community where we saw a kingdom lack, where we knew that Jesus would be in those communities, immediately we got pushback from parents as we were uh, sent, you know, taking our, our young people on mission with us into some broken communities. Parents said, I don't want my kids to go there. We mm. would start our event by by uh, scouring the park for needles and like like getting rid of needles because it was a it was a it was a bad area. It was a tough area, and people say I don't feel comfortable with that. But our students were changed as they did that. It was a taste of mission for them, and it's life altering when they do that. But would we ever do that if we hmm. really are like our grid is comfort? Well, yeah. and I think too, people are reactionary to stress. Um, but, you know, psychologists talk about the difference between distress, which is really bad for you. It, it hurts you because you're under a certain kind of stress. But there's also you stress, which is good stress. And I think that being on mission with Jesus is you stress because it, it's you stress is like going to the gym. You stress your muscles when you go mm-hmm. to the gym. Mm-hmm. And at the result of that is your muscles get stronger. Mm-hmm. But they need that stress to get stronger. Being on mission with Jesus is that exercising our faith muscle that actually makes us stronger in the long run. Yeah. And I think this is a good place to bring this up as well. But when we're talking about mission and risk, like even in the pursuit of comfort or the pursuit of stability, when that becomes our mission, there's still risk associated That's with right. that. We don't mm-hmm, think right. of, often think about it that way, mm-hmm. but we do <laughs> risk uh, multiple things in the pursuit of comfort and security. Yeah. So the question is become then becomes, what are we willing to risk? Because we're willing to risk some things for security, mm-hmm. but we're not always willing to risk others for the pursuit of the mission of Jesus. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I think what we're doing is we're risking the future so we can be comfortable in the present. And But if we're willing to take a risk in the present, we're building, I don't want to use the word comfort for the future, but we're building fruit for the future. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think about churches that have focused on being comfortable now and you know, comfortable, say, the last 10 or 20 years, and then they come along later and they say, oh, my, if we don't reach young people, our church is going to die. Well, they didn't take the risk 
of do, being on mission 20 years ago, and now they're, they, they risked it for the sake of their comfort, comfort. which is now sacrificing their, their now present 20, year, 20 years later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They, which they goes, risked, but which, for the wrong thing. Which goes back to the end. What was the yep. end? Yep. The end was security. Yep. The end was preservation uh, along the way. Yeah. So those are, you know, a a good uh, splattering of all the things that have led us here. Let's talk about the way forward. Mm -hmm. If we want to pursue this essential end of whole heart transformation through the means of a gospel saturated community uh, that takes faith filled risks on mission with Jesus. What does that look like? How do we go from where we're at towards that kind of community? Well, I think that um, one of the things is if if we would start to um, pursue a different mindset about what church is about, um, I think that there's a fundamental difference between a mindset of us uh, as a church or us on mission. When, When we think of ourselves as living on mission, our church is on kingdom mission, when we talk that, when we celebrate that, when we pursue that, mm. rather than just the like the the maintenance of what we've got or like holding on or surviving to keep what we've got, that's such a kind of a stagnant picture. And like we got to hold on or we've got to advance in mission. There's a, it's a mindset that I yeah. think it would be really healthy for us to consider making that change. Yeah, and another thing we're going to need for sure is the example of leadership. You know, I think about a lot of pastors, the people that they end up talking about the gospel to are people that are brought to them in the normal course of ministry. You know, a family is going through a rough time, and so that family comes to the office or meets at a coffee shop with the pastor yeah. or whatever, and now the pastor shares. But the pastor isn't necessarily on mission with his neighbors. He's just doing mission with whoever is brought to him, right? So he's more like come instead of go. I got a great story about that. It was, for me, hilarious. So our our church, when we were in Jersey, our our church really went through a significant shift towards mission. And uh, a part of a a big part of it was when we moved and we, we bought a home on a street in Vineland that was a very, very broken street. I mean, these, you know, everybody's broken, but some people just show it outwardly all the time. Well, our street had a bunch of outwardly broken people all the time. And, and our small group was able to engage with us in partnership for ministry on our street. And it was pretty cool what God did. But I remember the Sunday where um, this man had had a, a really bad heart attack I'm sorry, a really bad car accident, was very, very broken. Uh, The way he talked even was quite broken. And on a given Sunday morning, I'm preaching, and who walks in the back and comes right up the middle and says, hello, Nate, like right in the (laughs) middle of the service. Hello, Nate. And I just stopped and I said, that's my neighbor. And he had come to church for the first time, showed up late, and I went, I left where I was preaching, and I I, I, uh, ushered him in so that he could have a nice seat. And he sat right up at the front. And that has an impact on the church when they see mm-hmm. it's not just yeah. the pastor doing ministry in church, but this was about our neighborhood. And really that man, his wife, his sister-in-law, other people were baptized in our church That's and people beautiful. got to know yeah. and they prayed for Fenimore Street because they knew that that was a, that was a place of kingdom advance. Mm, yeah. Love it. That's a great example of what it would look like if it was different. Because even the value there of like 
him someone calling out in a service. How many times would be like, shh, shh, you know, keep it down. I would have been there for that. You know, but it's it's the value. What is Jesus? How does Jesus feel about this? He's excited that there's there's a step forward in this, you know, this man's life that he wants to engage in the gospel. And I think that's one of the things that would would be different is that people would be inspired and excited and celebrating the mission of God in the community around them. Yeah, you 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 can eventually re- reach a point of critical mass where enough people are talking about this. So, for example, you know, churches that have prayer meetings. Imagine the that the the prayer requests are not about something that's really related to personal comfort, like you know, I, I hope that I get better over this, or I hope I'm not sick anymore. I hope, and they start to pray for people that are coworkers, people in their neighborhood. Uh, it, it just starts to change things when, and especially when you see God answer those prayers as we live on mission, like it starts to ramp up and people start to get rather, rather enthusiastic about being on mission. Yeah. And I think another thing that would, would happen that would look different in a community that was taking faith-filled risks on mission is that, uh, this this work of Jesus that is outward, where we're sent out, would not be something that's additional to how we live as the people of Jesus. That it's becomes integrated into it. Uh, that it actually be it's not like a a segment of or a uh, compartmentalized portion of ministry of the church but that this is who we are. As Jesus changes our hearts, we see people differently and we desire that they would know Jesus. And so we begin to to think that way. We begin to interact that way. You know, that's even biblical. I mean, the, the <laughs> Matthew 28 Great Commission, the word go, yep. we I, often yep. give the idea of you got to leave where you are, go someplace else to do mission. But that's right. not it. As it's you are going. At, going, you make disciples. Going, you do kingdom work. I just had a conversation this week with um, the spouse of one of our workers and she had been struggling for some time about like, God, what do you have for me? What's the mission that you have for me? And in her mind, uh, she confessed that she was thinking too much like inside the framework of the church. Like what program am I to engage in? And as she was praying it through, she eventually came to the conclusion what God was saying to her was like, it's where I've placed you. Mm. And it had nothing yeah. to do with a church program. It had everything to do with her job. And yeah. she started to see God's placed me here on purpose. It's so interesting because I was just there recently and a, a person that she had met through her work was in the service and I got to pray with that guy. And she has these three guys that are struggling with sexual orientation and she's, you know, addressing them with gospel things Mm -hmm. and the enthusiasm that was coming out of this lady as she was talking about being on mission in the place God had placed her. Wow. Yeah. And and I've often been encouraged, you know, by Paul's words at Athens, you know, about how God determined Mm -hmm. the allotted times and places uh, for where people would live. Why? That they should seek God. Well, that's not just about those people, but about the people that are around them, because somehow in God's masterful, sovereign, good wisdom, he's put people where they need to be in the midst of other people who are where they need to be so that everybody has an opportunity to discover the glory and goodness of God through Jesus. Now, that seems hard for us to fathom when we think of, like, say, the United States compared to a remote island somewhere or a, uh, or a, a creative access type country, uh, country. 
but God knows what he's doing in that. And do we really yeah. believe that we are where we are, when we are, mm. as part of the redemptive plan oh, of God? Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. Kingdom gives me chills. purposes today. That's yes, right. absolutely. It gives me chills. So, so as we're navigating this, and we've mentioned some of these things already, but I, I want to ask the question, because I think it's an important part of this, is what are some of the things that we might have to lose or be willing to lose for the sake of shifting towards community focused on mission? I think that you know, we use the word comfort a lot, but I think that there's something that we're going to have to let go of in terms of the pursuit of comfort or mm. security. Um, I, I think that there's a story that we're living. Like my, my life is routine. My life is pretty much like I, I know what's going to happen next. I think we're going to have to give up that story to embrace a bigger story. In fact, I would say that a lot of the next generation, like children that grow up in the church, I think one of the reasons that they walk away from God as they get older is that they found a better story. Yeah. And it makes me so uh, sad yeah. that we haven't introduced them to a kingdom story that is full of adventure and full mm. of risk, full of the power of God for their life, because I think that will that will grip them. So we're going to have to give be willing to let go of our smaller stories to become part of a bigger story. Which leads us back to, I wonder if in those conversations, the means became what was so focused on that the glory of Jesus and what he wants to do in our hearts to transform us gets lost in that. And so they, they don't see that bigger story. And so they're led to something else. So that same small group that I was talking about in our street, um, you know, two doors down from where we lived was a drug prostitute house. And one of the things that we did, and again, this is event based, but I, I think it has it has value in terms of training people, especially training families. So our small group was made up of a lot of people that had elementary school kids. And one of the things that we did is it, it comes from my wife. We would do Christmas caroling on our street. Such a counterculture thing because that street just could not imagine people going caroling when we would do it. We <laughs> yeah, would have people all these coming kids. to your door is weird. Now <laughs> we had no sidewalks on that street and cars would zoom by. And like, I would like be freaking out. Like somebody's going to get hit. It wasn't really safe. So anyway, we started our house and we would do this big loop and a two doors down was this drug prostitute house. So we come to it. My wife says like points to it. And I said, no, we're not going to do that house. Like they're not going to open the door. And she said, Nate, we got to do that house. So I said, send the kids. <laughs> so literally we sent the kids to go not, you know, go through the fence and knock on that door. And, uh, the story, I, I don't want to make it long, but the, the ladies that opened that door were not properly dressed and they immediately shut the door as we're singing joy to the world. Mm. But we just keep on singing in a while. Um, she opens up the door again. And uh, they, with another friend, now now properly dressed, are in the cold listening to us sing. So we went and did our loop, and on the way back home, we came back that by that house again. Those two ladies stepped out and in tears said, no one has ever done something for us like that on Christmas. Wow. Now uh, we go back to our house, and we're all about PED, prepare event debrief. Now we're debriefing those families, and those children have come alive to mission just because they were the ones that went to their, the door and they got to experience that. Like they start to see a bigger story because they get a taste of mission. 
Well, and I think you're illustrating what Rick Richardson talks about in uh, his book, You Found Me, which we're using in one of our development tracks uh, on how to make evangelism normal in your church. Uh, but he talks about in order for it to become normal, for what he to become what he calls a conversion community, we need missional imagination. You and Sharon were having missional imagination. Sharon had it at the moment to think, no, these people... Imagine if they received the gospel, you know, right. it's where's the kingdom like, not let's right, move towards that. That's right. what Sharon was doing. And we also need missional leadership. So people that are willing to say, we want to demonstrate to you what it looks like to lead on mission. And then what that happens and that overflows to a missional congregation. Uh, and that's happening. And I loved you said that, that PED because prepare event debrief. If that's what we were missing earlier, I mentioned about our church being involved with some projects. We didn't do the debrief that helped people to say, okay, now what does this look like? What you learned today, what does it look like in your daily life? So mission always has to have transformation. Yes. Sadly, we never saw that those two ladies come to Christ. We did see people on our street repeatedly impacted by the gospel and people baptized in their life transformed. But that day, that Christmas event, those children were changed. Yeah. They, they could talk about the change that was happening mm-hmm. in their life. So mm-hmm. mission always is to lead to transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we move to wrap this up, uh, what are some of the questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves as we're, we're processing where... Uh, you know, if, if I'm a, a church leader, a pastor, uh, someone in one of our local churches that's listening to this and I say, you know what, I, I really get the heart behind what you're saying, but how do I go from where we're at to uh, what you're talking about? What are some of the questions we're going to have to ask ourselves in that journey? Well, <laughs> we're going to have to ask ourselves if we really believe that we can be transformed without mission. Do we really believe that? I mean, I think I think we have until this point, but can we ask our church, our leaders, that question? Right? Is mission essential or optional? Yeah. I, I think that's that's yeah. that's yep. going to yep. be big. Yep. I think if we really believe in the priesthood of all believers, that God has, as soon as someone has the Holy Spirit in them through through um, repentance and faith, and they they're they're born again. As soon as the Spirit is on their life, they are commissioned to mission. Do we really believe that? And if we believe it, are we commissioning them? Like, or, yeah, are, how, how are we? Yeah. How are we sending them out? That's right. To be able to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Another piece with this is, you know, we've talked about the connection between obedience and mission. Like the risk is part of it is we don't risk for the sake of risk, but that it's actually an obedience to Jesus that we step out and take risks, and so. I wonder in the conversations of our churches, I know obedience sometimes become or or obey can kind of become that churchy four letter word, but are we talking about, right? Are we asking people, what are we asking them to do when it comes to obeying Jesus as Lord, as savior, as King, you know, as the, the giver of this mission, you know, are we asking people to follow in obedience to that? One of the questions I think that we can ask is let's look around our communities and ask ourselves the question, what is antithetical to the, to the kingdom? In other words, what's the opposite of the kingdom in our community? What are the big needs in our community that if Jesus were walking our streets, he would be weeping yeah. and it would move his heart? And what would it look like for us to creatively engage that in some way, demonstrate the kingdom there in hopes that it will result in kingdom conversations with people that will lead to repentance and faith? Yeah. And that really is about how well do we know the community in which we live? 
you know, if you want to take it from just a, a church, you know, from the church building itself, the space around it, how well do you know? What are the demographics of your community? What are, what's the percentage of people in your community that uh, would be considered evangelical Christians? I mean, those are like statistical things that you can go online and find out, but there's also the conversational part of going out, asking, uh, you know, doing like some, some short surveys, having conversations with people, figuring out what is it that the people right around us actually believe. And we can do that in our neighborhoods. Uh, those can be pieces that come up in our workplaces, a variety of, of things along the way. Yeah. And I think you can observe, you know, we, going back to our previous episode, we talked about the orbits of people's lives. Right. What wow. are their lives orbiting okay. around? And then it helps us know how to engage them. And who's in that orbit? Are there, yes. are there unchurched people in that orbit? Sometimes we're so busy in the life of our church that when we ask people to see their life on mission, they'd say, like, how? I'm too busy, you know? Mm-hmm. So what us, would it look yeah. like to restructure the rhythms and the habits of our church in a way that people would have not just space to do more sports for their kids or more dance for their kids, but maybe do sports and dance if they really saw that as a place of mission, like yeah, that yeah, they could transform absolutely. their activities, the orbit of their life so that mission was central. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For me, you know, I coached my kids sports, I don't know, for 10 years or something like that. Um, and I noticed as soon as they got through that phase, I had to like find a new way to connect with people because that, that was right in front of me every week in practices and in games, I was faced with people who didn't know Jesus and demonstrated sometimes how they needed Jesus. So that was probably a biggest transition for me was having to actually say, okay, now how am I going to do this? Because I lost that. Um, and but we can start by asking, where can I start engaging lost people where I already am? That's right. Yeah. And the beauty of that is, as we've mentioned already, is that we're not doing that alone. Not only has Jesus promised in that great Amen. commission that he would be with us yes. to the ends of the earth, but we are part of a community and can be a part of a community That's saturated right. in the gospel that does this together. And let me say one more thing along those lines, too. I keep going back to our last episode, but let's remember that having the a gospel-fluent community, anyway, the gospel-saturated community, but people that are gospel-fluent talking to each other inside the church, if we do that well, That's it'll right. make it so much easier That's for them right. to talk about Jesus right. outside That's the church. Right. Yeah. But if we don't do it inside the church, we're hurting them double fold right. and yeah. it's, it's That's rough. So right. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening uh, and being a part of this conversation with us today. We recognize that even as we're talking about these things that t- to have these converse, even to bring this up within the context of your local church, there might be some risk involved with that. Uh, because whenever we dig uh, deeper into things like church community that are, are really personal to many of us, uh, People might say, well, why are we talking about these things? What are you getting at? Or wonder if there's a a different motivation behind it. And so if anything, we want to encourage you to continue to engage because we, as we ask these big questions about what is essential uh, in our churches, we believe that God is going to work through us. And though it may present some things that require us to step forward in obedience with risk, uh, but that 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 is where God is calling us to be. And then the other side of that, God is going to transform our hearts and the hearts of our church. So please know that your district team is here and ready to walk with you through these kinds of conversations. Um, if you're if you're desiring to talk about these things with your church leadership or others in your community, uh, we've created some helpful discussion questions for you. You can find those on our website at epdalliance.org essentials. 
and we, we hope that those are beneficial to you along the way. Again, thank you for listening. As you uh, go in our next episode, uh, we're going to continue this frame of thought on the essential means of a gospel-saturated community, but we're going to do it towards the third aspect, uh, which is leadership that embraces the challenges of change. Thank you for listening to The Essentials. To join in our conversation, please visit epdalliance.org essentials to find discussion questions for your church and more content related to increasing gospel impact. We hope you will join us for our next episode.